the point of what the the social studio does is to really create those connections between people, um, celebrate culture, celebrate diversity of, of opinion and of ability. And so um, at the moment, you know, I think our student group is from 10 different countries. The social enterprise space is a complex and exciting one. There's a whole lot of moving parts and each one needs to work just right if you want to truly make an impact. But one big part that often goes overlooked is in the name itself, the social component. So what social and communal needs should an enterprise aim to fulfil? And how do you actually pull it off? I'm Craig Foster and this is Getting It Right, the show about hiring, buying and working with purpose. Uh, My name is Dewey Cook. I'm the CEO of The Social Studio in Collingwood. You recently became the CEO of Social Studio, but it has a very long history, as I understand. Can you take us back to how it started, please? The Social Studio has been around since 2009, and it was uh, really the the brainchild of a group of creatives, community workers, and academics who had been involved, I suppose, in um, aspects of kind of refugee advocacy and community work within the refugee community um, and who felt very strongly that there was opportunity, particularly using the arts as a vehicle for social connection and engagement. Um, So, you know, at the time, 2009, there was probably a a fairly kind of negative discourse around refugee intake and settlement. Um, And our founder, Grace McQuilton, um, who uh, was really the driving force, I suppose, behind uh, the social studio, uh, had a lot of personal connections within um, newly arrived communities and uh, could really see, I think, not only the potential for um, extending support and help to them, but the potential for the broader community to um, to benefit from the skills and the abilities um, and knowledge of uh, newly arrived refugee communities to Australia. And so if we fast forward to today, what what are the main programs and the core business of Social Studio? Yeah, so not much has changed in some ways and lots have changed in others. So the core business, I guess the really the heart of what we do since 2009 has been our school. So we run a free fashion school delivering a certificate three in clothing and textiles production. Um, and we do that with our education partner, RMIT. And that's a longstanding relationship that we've had with RMIT um, for, you know, obviously more than a decade. And that program continues to be the reason, you know, why we exist in in many ways. And um, we also have pre-accredited training or sort of social sewing, um, which happens um, every week, both in our Collingwood site and a satellite site in Heidelberg West. And the idea, I suppose, is to really connect the skills of the students and what they're learning in that accredited course into our manufacturing operations. So we have a bigger than ever manufacturing team, actually. It's still small. We're still boutique, but um, we now do most of our work is for third-party clients, um, galleries, institutions, a little bit of government. Um, and then um, we provide pathways from the school into manufacturing for students as well as um, we hire externally, um, looking obviously within the refugee and new migrant communities as well. Um, 
And then we've also got retail. So our retail operations now are a slightly broader remit. We um, stock work from designers and makers from Black, Indigenous and culturally diverse backgrounds. We have relationships with a number of um, remote Indigenous art centres, um, which is a wonderful kind of new aspect of the work that we're doing, um, both across retail and manufacturing. Um, and we're really trying to kind of create now connections and relationships between First Nations creatives and our students um, as, you know, new Australians really um, to understand, I guess, um, you know, the lands that they walk on and the culture that comes kind of before them and and that they um, exist within as well. Um, So we're a complex beast, I think it's fair to say, but uh, we've managed to kind of stick around for the last 13 years, which has been a wonderful thing. Wow. And in that time and today, can you give us a sense of the scale? You know, how many uh, students are you working with? We've got at the moment 16 students um, across a two-year program and that's across all semesters. Um, and so we're, we're sort of constantly enrolling in that program. We enroll every six months and um, which is why, you know, some students will be starting in July and some will be starting in January and teachers kind of have to be adaptable to that and understanding of shifting student needs. Um, and so, sorry, the broader impact of the organisation. So there's, we've got 16 students in our Certificate 3. We've, um, we see between about 15 and 20 in our weekly um, social sewing program. The organisation overall, we've got just over 20 staff, including casuals, and 70% of us are from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. And as a social enterprise, you know, that can bring its own challenges in terms of sustainability and funding and the like. How do you manage that? Yeah, so we are um, a not-for-profit social enterprise, which means um, that we've got um, DGR status. So we are eligible for uh, philanthropic grants and philanthropy is a really big part of our model, that kind of hybridity between uh, having self-generated revenue streams and philanthropy is, is really important to the nature of the work we do. So we aim for retail and manufacturing, we aim for them to break even or better. Um, but something like the school, which is delivered entirely for free, um, and we fund, you know, the teaching staff there, we fund support staff, and obviously all materials and everything else, that uh, isn't a money-making enterprise. That is really something that, in a way, we want to keep pure, I suppose, if you like, because, um, you know, it's community development work and it's um, it's not something that we ever want to charge our students for. Um, the whole point of it is to really break down the barriers for students to participate and, you know, let's face it, finances is, is a really um, is a really massive barrier for, for a lot of people um, in education, but particularly for, for new arrivals or people from refugee and migrant communities. You know, it's it's hard to get work. It's hard to, um, um, it can, or rather it can be hard to get work um, and it can be hard um, to make that money that you need to, to have kind of success within education. So we really try to strip all of those barriers away to make it as accessible as possible and um, being able to rely on philanthropy for that sort of work is is essential for us. And how important are the social connections between your students and bringing people together and also their uh, opportunity to express their own culture through their creative arts? It's everything, really. It's the point of what the the social studio does is to really kind of con- create those connections between people, um, celebrate culture, celebrate diversity of, of, of opinion and of ability. And so... Um, 
at the moment, you know, I think our student group is from 10 different countries um, and some of them are from within the same community. So some of them know each other from the Somali community or the Eritrean community. But then we have students from Afghanistan, from Iran, from China, um, from South Sudan. And um, and seeing that group of people being able to come together and enjoy their time together and really find connection with each other um, beyond the kind of, um, you know, perceived boundary lines of community is a, is a really um, special thing. And there are some incredible relationships, you know, actually uh, amongst the graduating cohort that will be graduating in um, the end of this year. We're very sad to see them go because they're the first cohort of students to graduate since the pandemic. So they've been through a lot together. And um, there's this beautiful friendship between a 22-year-old Congolese young woman and um, a she won't give me her exact age or she wouldn't want me to say her exact age, but a 50 plus year old um, Chinese woman, you know, they're, they're best friends. Um, and that's only because they've been brought together, um, you know, within a space like the social studio. And that social component is clearly no accident. Can you tell us how you've built that into the enterprise? So we run a social sewing program in both Collingwood and in our satellite um, site in Heidelberg West, which is called actually the Social Fabric. Um, and it's a bit of a joint venture between us and a couple of other community organisations in the area. And on Sundays, um, we have a group of um, Somali Australian women who have been coming now for a couple of months. Um, they're self-organised, which is a really um, great thing. So um, they didn't have a teacher. They were just a group of women who wanted to learn how to sew and a few of them knew how to sew and they'd had a couple of sewing machines. Um, and then once we um, got involved, we have a community worker from the community out there as well. Um, she sort of connected them with one of our teachers, Mahubo. And now the women, the group has gone from six or something to now 14. And it's a really um, special group, um, or rather a really special gathering. So the women come um, on Sundays for a few hours um, and it is both a social event, you know, they get food, they have snacks, they have tea, um, as well as a way for them to upskill. And um, in some cases, they've really found that having access to a community worker, so I mentioned our community worker is from the Somali community, Sagal, um, and she, Sagal, you know, can speak Somali and what she's noticed that the the women are, um, I think, just really excited to have somebody that understands them, um, both, you know, from a language point of view, but culturally as well. Um, so she's found that they're asking um, questions and have needs that are beyond, I guess, sewing. You know, they want to know how to do like basic email skills and, um, and a bit of like IT literacy and then... Um, you know, when we were um, in lockdown at the end of last year, Sagal was sending information about um, obviously healthcare information, but then also just kind of being available to them to sort of just like translate the world a little bit. And I think that that um, has been a really interesting, I guess, revelation to me that the idea of like settlement actually isn't over in the period of time that you know, services are funded to to deal with it. You know, these women, some of whom have been here for a decade or maybe more, um, actually still need quite a lot of assistance or at least um, someone that they can trust to ask for that help. Um, and once they have it, they take off, you know, their horizons broaden and that's a wonderful thing and that's something that we would always try to hope to do. And can you give us a sense of the broader manufacturing and production industry 
how that's been shaped in the last 13 years from from when Social Studio began? Yeah, it's funny. I, when I talk with um, with our founder, Grace, who's, you know, still on our board and very involved, she would say, she's like, you know, you couldn't have said 13 years ago that um, manufacturing was a clear employment pathway for students in a way they chose fashion and, you know, and clothing manufacturing is the vehicle for connection and the vehicle to kind of help students set goals, but they weren't jobs as much as they are now. Um, And what we've really found, I think, in the last couple of years in particular, in a way for us anyway, because of the pandemic, there's been um, an added increase in interest in local manufacturing, partly because of supply chain issues that occurred um, very early on um, with, you know, just things not being able to get off the docks or leave countries at all um, and a real kind of, um, I suppose, exposure of how reliant we have become on being able to import goods and have them at our beck and call quite easily. And when those things stopped being so easily available, people um, started looking inwards more. Um, And that's across the manufacturing, I would say the garment industry across Australia. Um, It's not just our experience. Most manufacturers we know um, are all really busy and um, anybody who kind of has anything to do with garment manufacturing in Australia will know that that a lot of the primary communities who have been working in recent years in in manufacturing of Vietnamese, um, Chinese, kind of Southern Europeans, post-war migrants in some cases, um, and many of those people are in their 50s, 60s and sometimes 70s, you know, still working, but there aren't enough people kind of coming through um, into the into the workforce right now. So we're really seeing that the, the skills that our students have been learning are in um, increasingly high demand. And recently we've had the Jobs Summit in Australia at, at a national level and there's been a big push for apprenticeships and, and trade training, including in fashion industries. Um, how important is that trend to the future of Social Studio? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we, d- we definitely would support um, the position of, of bodies like the Australian Fashion Council that, you know, there needs to be recognised apprenticeships within the garment industry because while... Um, organisations like ours and institutions like RMIT or Holmes Glen or um, or other TAFEs are offering industry level training within garment manufacturing. That's a very um, different thing to being able to replace workers with twenty to thirty years experience on the manufacturing floor. You know, people for whom their whole livelihoods have been around garment construction, um, and so. Um, it's not a zero sum where you can just say, okay, well, we've got these number of graduates coming in and some of them will go into the industry. Uh, what you really need is to kind of see investment, I suppose, and a way to support employers through that training as well, because it will take time for people to get up to up to speed um, and to sort of ask an organisations like ours to, I guess, you know, subsidise the cost of that effectively um, by conducting that training on our own um, is is a really, really difficult thing. Um, and it may be different for a big manufacturer, but the truth is there aren't that many big manufacturers around right now. And if I think you want to encourage more and more work within the manufacturing industry and more people to, to manufacture locally, you know, I think the, the customer or the market needs to have confidence that those skills are out there. That's Daewi Cook, CEO of The Social Studio. And this is Mahubo Suleiman, both a student and a teacher at the studio. My name is Mahubo Suleiman. I'm coming from Somalia, East Africa. Weaver, I was young, five years old, um, learned how to weave 
for the finger weaving because I born countryside. I didn't see the, any city or anything until I'm 13 years old. My first time I go the city, I saw the car or building or every electronic. I, I'm 13 years old and then very surprised. Um, after I grow up, my sister sponsored me in Egypt and then Egypt I'm um, three years and then I'm coming in here 2003 and in Sydney me at uh, that time I have one daughter uh, my daughter is uh, 10 months now I have three kids a mother for the three after I uh, moved to, in 2005 in Melbourne I would like Melbourne because always I like the arts and craft. And then I saw a lot of craft in Melbourne. Um, after uh, 2008, I started a school to Collingwood Melbourne Polytechnic. I think the, the name that time is uh, the Coltef in Collingwood. Then next to Social Studio. My teacher... I'm ask every teacher, everyone, if I see them, I'm ask. I say, oh, I wanted the fashion design, I wanted the sewing, grass weaving. Everyone, I'm ask for that. I say, in Australia, I have a lot of grass. Can I get it? And then that teacher, that she say, okay, uh, I know the social studio in Smith Street. I learned a lot of different things for the um, fashion design. Now I'm happy. Really, I saw my clothes if I wanted and one of my friend and then I weave uh, bags, earring, jewelry, rug, a lot of different weave for the uh, the finger weaving for the material I used it um wool. A lot of different material something I then I and then I decided how to combine clothes and weaving together. That's what I I love it. My my dream for the textile and fashion design one day or maybe I open at the gallery <laughs> that's my dream Wow amazing you have so much skill to pass on and to teach to others you recently created an amazing Somali hut for your exhibition tell us about that and how long did it take to create my craft in Melbourne I'm using for five years because every small bit, everyone I see them for the you know the grass because I I don't have the farm for the grass, <laughs> I don't have the tree branches, and then I saw the um, city of Melbourne for the cutting the season for the cutting for the um, branch tree for the under the tree for the shoot, and then I'm asking everyone I saw that and then I grabbed it and it's small. Things and then I weaved it again for the um, a hard skeleton for the, the the inside for the three branches. And first time I saw the um, Siri and then a Siri. I one day I saw I feasted for me and my kids and then I saw the cutting for the grass. And then I'm asked, I say, oh, can I use this grass? And then everyone for the love me, they say, oh, you have cow? This one is not a cow for the, <laughs> the food, this one. And then I say, no, I want it weaved. Wow. And how important is it to you to be able to express your Somali history and your culture and parts of your childhood through your weaving? It's very important because to me, I, I bond that house 
with a hat. It's a cold aqal. And then there's, I think it's a sharing for the, you know, the community, sharing skills, sharing um, the cultural, sharing everything. Very important to me, I think. And then um, that is well, because now I'm in the city. My first time I live in the city. The city have opportunity, but countryside, they have grass, tree branches, a lot of things, for the, you know, the uh, natural resources. The city have material, machine, a lot of different things. And then if together, the compare, to me, I think it's a very, very good for the sharing. You have social sewing classes in Heidelberg West. Can you tell us what, what the women and your students, what they enjoy about that program? Yeah, yeah, very, very enjoy it, very like it. I have um, 14 students, and then that 14 students uh, have know how to sew, and then have I teach them how to the sew, the machine. They're still the learning. Yeah, and then um, four students ask me for the social studio next year we want it. They say, please ask me the social studio if I go down there. I say, yeah, why not? Go. Let's study if you like it for that, you know, the certificate or business. Or A lot of people have, they enjoy it. And then ask me a lot of questions for the, the social studio. They say, we're really going to you want it. And then I plan in um, one day for the social studio, I would like the, to visit my student for the, the community there. How important are the social connections that everyone gains by coming together, you know, to learn and to weave or to sew, you know, people, all of these community members spending time together and and connecting, learning from each other? I think it's very important for the learn the new skill because if I learn sewing or design, if you wanted a own shop, you can go and then make your own uh, retailer. Or if you learn the sewing skill for design, um, your family, friend, your kids, you, yourself, you make your own, your own dress. And then, yeah, it's very important, I think, to me. But for me, I would like um teach them, the people, for the, I, I tell them for the come at social studio, even if you didn't want it, uh, the retailer or the shop, you help me your family or your friend or you, the, the skill you, yeah, I think it's very important for the, the connectors for the social studio. Thanks, Mahubo. And just finally, what does the future hold for you? What does the next five years look like? Uh, I think I'm, Maybe I'm textile and fashion designer. I would like I make my own design, compare weaving and sewing for the, the clothes. And, and then I would like in the future for the open retailer, for the, my own studio or own shop. And then I teach them my skill for the community all all in Australia. For me, I would like sharing everything, my skill. 
thanks so much for listening to the final episode of this season of Getting It Right. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, make sure you scroll back in your podcast feed and check them out. There's so many incredible people doing fantastic work in the social enterprise space and you don't want to miss out on what they have to say. Getting It Right is a Jobs Bank podcast produced by Deadset Studios and hosted by me, Craig Foster. Listener.